Oi, oi, and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast with myself, Steve Nussbaum, and as always, my good friend, South Stand Chum, bearded legend, Mr. Paul Levy. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 80. We are steamrolling through these numbers. It's been a bit of a crazy week, so without further ado, I think it's best that we just crack on, cover the two games and all the other bits and pieces that have been going on. Yeah, okay, so we'll start off with the supporters club updates. As always, yeah. As always, so this Saturday, uh, we entertain... Portsmouth uh, at home. Uh, the sports club will be open at midday and we'll be showing the live footy, whatever game that is, I've got no idea. And we'll know. also be serving some mighty fine beers. So get yourself down there. Uh, yeah, opens at midday. One pound if you're not a member to get in. Yeah, uh, coaches uh, are going to Hartlepool on Saturday the 22nd of October, leaving the club at 8 o'clock in the morning. So it's a nice early start. £33 for members, £30 concessions, and if you're not a member, there is a £3 surcharge. Yeah, and then you can also go to Doncaster on Saturday 26th of November. Uh, coaches leave Brisbane Road at half past eight, £28 for members, £25 for concessions. If you want to see Matty Baldry again, he's <laughs> going to be there. If you want to rib down Ferguson again for asking for too much money, back in the day when we could have got him, he'll be there. And uh, John Marcus will be there as well, and undoubtedly probably score... <laughs> Like he did yesterday. Uh, like he did yesterday. So get yourself down there. Two ways for you to book those trips. You can book in the supporters club uh, before any home game or you can call the travel line on 07722-135-970. And additionally, one more supporters club plug. There's a beer festival on Friday the 21st of October with beers from Brew Buddies Brewer. Doors open at five and it's free entry. And it was great to see Tim yesterday uh, at Barnet. So yes. uh, I'm glad Tim's feeling better and we'll see you soon. Yep, good to see a few people there yesterday actually at Barnet. Yes. Very nice to see uh, everybody. We had a funny tweet that came in that we just wanted to, to read out very quickly from at Jay Pittle. It says, your wives must hate Leighton Orient. Probably not as much as us. Uh, all the ups and downs mean they never get a weekend without a podcast. Well, thankfully, our wives are a little bit understanding. So Yeah, even though they don't listen to this, so there's no point in praising them. We can say what we want. Also, in the week, we got an email from Martin Strong. This was on Monday who uh, just said, have you considered buying my book, Leighton Orient, The Road to Wembley, 1967 to 1999? Everyone seems to be enjoying it. I think you would too. I sell it in the supporters club before home matches and it's priced at 14.99. And he also added, how about mention for our fanzine, The Leighton Orienteer, which this month is celebrating its 30th birthday, the second longest running fanzine in the country. Some Amazing. effort. So yeah. thanks for your email, Martin. And, well done to the Leighton Orient here for 30 years and we know I guess the editor Jim Yeah. so we'll probably try and get him on at some point just to give him a yeah and you know what we're actually quite lucky um, because we've got the Orient here and the and the Pandemonium yeah. and, and they've both been I very think Pandemonium has yeah. been going for 25 plus odd years as well so we're very lucky to have two good fanzines some clubs don't have one decent fanzine but we've got two so yeah. we are very lucky here at Leighton Orient so a busy week that was so no sooner had we put episode 79 out I think it was barely sort of 12, 12, 12, 12 hours yeah. old really and we were informed at 10 o'clock in the morning on Monday that Andy Hessentyler was being relieved of his duties following a three match winless run and with Orient 14th in the table later confirmed by the club around 2 o'clock in the afternoon with the following statement that said the club can confirm that Andy Hessenthal has been relieved of his role as first team manager we'd like to thank Andy for his service to in Orient since arriving in July 2015 and wish him well in his future career I have to say that's more than they said for Dean Cox who's been with us for 7 years <laughs> it is it is absolutely much more it is. So assistant manager Andy Edwards will be assuming uh, Hess and Tyler's duties on an interim basis and will take charge of the team for tomorrow night's Skybet League 2 home game with Plymouth Argyle. So, so that was it. Barely 12 hours old, Hess and Tyler gone. And in hindsight, when I listened back to episode 79 later that week, yeah, it seemed like an obvious decision really. Based on the feedback we were getting and uh, the comments, it seemed like it was going to happen. So, Are you suggesting that the Orient hierarchy might listen no, to not. our podcast no. or look at Twitter? No, not at all. It was just when I was listening back, I thought, oh, it seems like quite a... People wouldn't be upset if it had no. it happened. No. So your views, were you upset? Yeah, or shocked, not shocked, really. Yeah. Um, like you say, you know, we hadn't been playing good football the players didn't seem to really look that comfortable or, or really that plus and results and performances weren't good enough and irrespective of people's opinions of Hess, good, bad or indifferent, you know, this is ultimately a results business. 
um, and we weren't getting the results. I'm not a fan of long ball football. I don't think many people are. Yeah. Um, but I think the problem next is who comes in next. Yeah. And uh, we'll cover a few names yeah. later on. But you know, from who's available, who's going to want to come to us? You're not going to get someone that's got a good pedigree behind them because they probably got a job. You're not going to get someone that's. You're, gonna, you're not going to get someone who's got you know loads of promotions that actually yeah I want to come to drop down to League 2 they'll probably wait for a championship gig or Coventry for example a big club in League 1 to look to push them up so it's um, it's a difficult one yeah I think money talks without my friend um, for me I thought it might be coming like I just said uh, a shame that Hess couldn't really inspire success but I don't think anyone was really surprised uh, and a change was needed so I think a great tweet last week can't remember who it was from saying everyone keeps talking about stability but I don't think Hess is the right person Yeah, and I, I can't uh, remember who it was who said that but that person nailed it spot on I wasn't overwhelmed when he was appointed to be honest no I don't think anyone was but it was good to see the follow on and the transition and Hess also said when he was caretaker that he didn't want the job but yeah. then about two weeks later he ended up getting the job yeah. which was a strange really one weird. Uh, but for me like you you know the right managerial appointment needs to be made and hopefully FB uh, will make the correct decision from what we've heard there's quite a few applicants out there. We don't know of anyone individually, uh, but we know there's been a substantial amount of interest in the job. And it'll be interesting to see who who Francesco and Alessandro go with. And hopefully, if it is a manager at a current club or someone with a good pedigree, they pay them what they want and hopefully can take the club forward. So we'll see. So as you would expect, there was a huge reaction to this news. Um, so we'll go through some of your views first. We had an email from Tom Reid. Uh, it was really good summed up a lot of comments that we had uh, on social media so Tom said I for one am very happy Hess is gone but equally as worried about what comes next last season Hess was hoofball all day long we didn't go out and get him a vastly improved squad and he remained exactly the same even Erico and Parks look competent on the ball with a decent range of passing but and again and again we see a complete lack of direction from Hess and every game especially overall we see both Wade and Kelly having to drop deep for the ball at the same time leaving no one in midfield and forcing us to knock it long. That's a great point, actually. I, I yeah, because there, there was a massive yeah. gap. Yeah. And no one was filling that in from the front. Great point. He also goes on to say, it was glaringly obvious that in that match and Hess that simply had to recognise his error that was seriously affecting the game. My fear now, though, is that FB will continue to lie through his teeth and tear the club apart. I was at the Meet the President evening on July 25th and actually came away feeling slightly more positive about this season. The one thing that was said about six or seven times that night by FB was, I've learned from my mistakes. Now, only two months later, we see that that's simply not true. He still allegedly picks the team. He still freezes players out and forces Cox out of the club completely. Then he says along, I assume, with Clahessi. FB continues to quickly fire managers who he shouldn't have even appointed in the first place. I.e. even a a one-year contract for Hess was optimistic. So Quite a statement, that. Yeah. Uh, Tom Lindy goes on to say I won't even go into antics at the end of the Oval game towards the fans at what, at what point did Elias stop and what lessons has he really learned with the squad with surely even a vaguely competent manager should get us promoted if only FB let him get on with it and stops interfering my fear is that FB hires another yes man and nothing will change I believe this will be our 8th manager in 2 years since FB took over we've had some really good players in the last couple of years and it can't possibly be all 7 of the managers faults there's one common denominator, and that's Bichetti. Loft and the fans need to embrace the stand-up for the Orient mindset and do something, anything to let this man know that he can't continue to treat our club this way. So, a great right. email there. Loads of valid points. So, thanks for that, Tom. Um, yeah, great Yeah, points. no, absolutely. Got nothing to add to that, really, because I think he sums it up pretty well yeah. there. Um, but we did have some uh, tweets that came in from at Paddock Inspector. Oh, I'm a late in Orient manager. Get me out of here. Yeah. It's a good, good show there in yeah. the making. At Orient Dave said, I thought FB had a talk after the Oval match and everything was okay. It was just one of those days. And one defeat later, Hess has gone. So that was, that was in regards to Hess's Hess Hess quote saying FB came in, which keep, we, keep at the time up. we said that doesn't really sound like an FB. Uh, no, like he's say. made it up. Yeah. He's absolutely made that, that, yeah. that uh, statement up. Sam Cast 9 said, Great news. The next guy in will probably be equally bad, but Percy found nothing likeable about Hess and his style of play. Yep. And then uh, the next tweet to us was from at Gabs50 Zakuani. So cheers for the tweet, Gabs, who said, Bichetti booting Hess out again with a little boot emoticon, getting depressed supporting the O's these days. Hashtag, what happened to our family club? And I had a lot, loads of retweets and loads of likes. And 
Affiliated with most people, that one. At JD002825, the football in general has been utter dross. Change is needed. Yep, at Boatsy. And well done to Ben for winning that FIFA 17 sleeve from the club in that competition they'd done on the official count. Uh, who says, no surprise really, lost a few games, plays disinterested, and it follows typical FB form over recent years. Who would want the yellow FC job now? I've got to say, I, I still think it is an attractive job. If, if you're a manager who's out of work, a lower league manager, I, I think that's an attractive job, I've got to say. Mm. Good squad, big club for the division, a chairman who's clearly got money. And I know, and there's lots of people saying who would want the job. I think it's not as unattractive as what people make out. I really do. I think there, there'll be some big, big players looking at that. Fair enough. In response to Boats's tweet, SJP Divine tweeted back saying exactly. Slade took over in 2010 to 2014. FP takes over 2014 to 2015. Slade, Nugent, Milanese, Liverani, then Hendon, then Nolan, then Hess. <laughs> question mark, yeah. question mark. At Gambino Snitch said, what a mess we are in. When will the circus act come to an end? Yeah, at Sean Mercer underscore said, I don't actually care anymore. He will employ an Italian again and wouldn't surprise me if we get relegated. Yeah, at Speno011 said, poor Hess, what a shambles we are. The fans haven't helped though. At Plough Merton, can't they just pick a manager by creating an, an Italian style reality show? The only way is Piketty's. I like that. <laughs> That's very good. So we've, got two, we've got two TV shows uh, <laughs> in the making there, yeah. yeah. At Mid-Table Obscure. So can we all put in an application for the job? Let FBC through 4,000 of them. Yeah. Good yeah. Point. At Tony underscore Neville. The next appointment will mean mani- more managers under Bacchetti in two and a quarter years than in Hearns 19. Wow. Hashtag crazy. Yes. Yeah. I like this tweet coming up. At Scriberian Dan. <coughs> Every time FB fires a manager, it's a public admission. He's got a major recruitment decision wrong. Again. <coughs> Embarrassing. And the thing is... I'm sure at least a couple of them would have been fine under a more patient, less interfering chairman. Very, Spot on very tweet. good point. Especially, no, well, Nolan is the one that speaks to mind there. Let yeah. go very, very early. Yeah, way too early. Should yeah. have given him more time. Yeah. At Mossy LJ said, whether he was picking the team or not, the football played under his coaching was as bad as under Hendon. Plus, if he wasn't picking the team, he would have known that when accepting to pick up, he would have known that when accepting to pick up a wage as a yes man. Glad he's gone. Need a proper manager who won't let FB interfere. Would love to go all out for Tisdale, but let's be honest, who'd join? Yep, good point. At Jim586 said, we just need a motivator if FB's picking the team. Oh, hang on. He was sack manager number one <laughs> in reference to Russell Slade. Yeah. At Marquio's 1106, don't care who gets the jobs as long as whoever it is can isolate the squad from the madness and instill some passion and belief into the team. Great tweet there. At Kevin yeah. McBride 9 said, in <clears> fairness... Hess should never have been given the job. Nothing against the guy, but he was part of the previous setup. Yeah, that's a good point. He was there for Hendon and Nolan as assistant. And then, yeah. Yeah, at Slim Slady 68, plenty of managers will want it. Two years' money for six months' work. Tops. <laughs> Plus, no stain on the CV as everyone else knows what goes on. Yeah, at Digger H7730086 said, Does FB ever take a moment to reflect on where the club is now compared to when he took over? I'm sure he does in his uh, swanky flat in Mayfair. <laughs> Makes a house, it's like a full on mansion. At Steve Dath one said FB investment and so called enthusiasm have taken us from high in League One to bottom half of League Two. Not worth the price. Yeah, Kevin Cowlin said I personally don't want FB's money. Rather we built again from the bottom. Club's been destroyed. Jaden underscore Christie thirteen, in my opinion it's well harsh on Hess. How can you judge him when he can't even pick the team or sign his own players? And I disagree there. I think he has brought in players that he wanted. FB's backed him with the Weirs and the Kellys Especially and, Ke- and well, the Cornicks. The Kelly was and Parks, his agent. He had the, uh, the connection. He knows Kelly's agent, didn't he? Yeah. So that's how we've got Kelly. So I think that that's just to correct you there, Jay. Yeah. And I think it, they are his players and thrown in with a couple of Bichetti signings yeah. as well. I think you can generally tell the... Who's who English signings are pretty obvious and the non-English signings are probably more obvious. Yeah. Uh, at Kempi No Fear, says, does it make much difference if Bichetti does pick the team and takes coaching as reported? Question he's, not taking, he's not taking training I, well, sessions. I, I, we don't think not. he is. We, although we did, we various accounts last year said that he did have every training session filmed from the yes. coaching ground. So yeah. we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Nemesis, one, eight, 1888, sorry. I would like the chairman to take charge of the team. Three losses and he'll boot himself out the club. Job done. Like it, like it. At Dubbins 10. So we've had six managers for 101 games on an average of 16.8 matches per job. 
So the next sacking will be after Barnett at home on the 7th of January 2017. If that comes in, that'll be amazing. At John Benj 92, another manager needed at Brisbane Road. Seven managers have come and gone in two seasons. No one is going to want the job. So thanks for all the tweets we got in the email. So at Twitter, uh, at Orient Outlook, and then on email, uh, at Orient Outlook at Outlook.com. So if Just without news, the at at the beginning. Yes. Just Orient Outlook is, at Outlook.com. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also we're on Facebook and Instagram. So any points you want to get across, you can get hold of us on any of those four formats so names that you mentioned for the job and we'll give them a very quick once over um, because this time whenever you're listening it might not be relevant anymore depending on when we get some points so these are all names that came over to us in tweets we're just going to give them a quick would we want them or would we not want them doesn't mean we know anything more or anything less so the first tweets we got Mac and Alexander yes I'd want them would they come no they wouldn't Uh, no I don't want them far too early in any management career Mm. yes they would definitely come a million percent uh, for me but I too yeah. early far too early Andy Edwards we discussed this at length in the car yesterday yeah. at home from Barnet. yes I'd want him but probably not now because it would probably be the wrong the right job at the wrong time for him we, yeah. think, we think I think we both agreed that he needs a little bit more assistant manager experience before he comes yeah. into the fold agree right. it wouldn't be the worst appointment <laughs> no it wouldn't uh, but it would be a bit of a poison chalice for yes. him yeah, yeah. He's done very well with that, to be yeah. fair. Kenny Jacket, absolutely. Yeah, for that's me. a great. Got promotion. Got promotion on his CV. Experienced manager. He's got several promotions. Okay, yeah, so agree with that. Mill, what? I think we're going to disagree on this one, though. Steve Evans? No, not for me. Not the right character for a family club. Uh, for me, couldn't care less about his character. Yes, get him in the building. Promotions, unlikable. We'll sort the players out. Wouldn't see those performances that you saw under Hess under Steve Evans. Yeah. Paul Sisdale? No, I'm underwhelmed. Um, I quite liked his though actually yeah I'd go for that okay. I'd go for that <laughs> this is going to be sort of for the boys Di Canio absolutely not uh, I'd go for Di Canio okay. I'd go for Di Canio uh, absolutely not Gattuso don't know jury's out on that for me good players don't make good managers absolutely. always absolutely agree um, in fact if you look at the Mourinho's and the Ferguson's and, and whatnot, they didn't have great you know, illustrious playing careers but they did they're doing very pretty well at management, but I don't know. Uh, good too. So Ian Holloway, he's been out the game a long time in a sense. He's not actually had a, a manager's job for a few yeah. years because he's gone into TV commentary, yeah. isn't he? So I'd lo- I'd keep it. I keep an open mind about Holloway. I'd love Holloway. <laughs> Mad motivator. Yes. Yeah, he is good at that. Tactically naive, probably. You you'd end up seeing more four threes than what you would one nils under Holloway put it that way because we'll just mm. go and attack mm. um, Malky Mackay yeah possibly now, but then he's not got a great oh he's got a promotion he's got a big promotion on his no. CV and at that meeting the manager mm. FB said he'd spoke to a tall Scottish geezer who no one seemed to know Graham Souness who it was and I think a few people thought it was Malky Mackay that'd be an interesting one should it happen but yeah. again uh, Steve Cotterell yeah yeah I, would, yeah I think I think he might end up going to commentary so we'll see um, yeah. and lastly one Manager who was seen at the game yesterday, apparently. apparently. No photographic evidence. It's been, we've seen it on the forum and on, I think, the Facebook group. It could have just been their scout and it could be perfectly innocent. It could just be there as in some formal. formal so for you, Graham Wesley? Nah. Um, not sure. Nah, it's not good enough. Not sure. For me. So there's a few names who've been banded about. If you hear of any more names, give us an email or <laughs> give us a tweet and uh, we'll see what happens. And of course, if any news does break out about the manager appointment, we will be the first, or we will buy, try and be the first. To try and break the news. Yeah. So. so at Stats Christian tweeted as saying seven managers have served under Leighton Orient owner Francesco Bacchetti, caretaker or permanent, in his twenty six months in charge in a hundred and one league game. Yeah, crazy so, stat. Crazy stat. Yeah, for sure. So moving on to the Plymouth game on Tuesday, the twenty seventh of September, the team lined up with Chisak in goal, debut to Jens Jantz, Hunt moves to centre back with Parks and Kennedy at left back. With Massey, Weir, Kelly and Samedo in the middle, McCallum and Simpson up front. Your substitutes were Sam Sargent, Pollock, Cornick, Atangana and Nomo, Bowery and Palmer. So two changes from Notts County. Sandro Samedo replaced Cornick and Jens Jans, as I said earlier, made his debut in place of Ivan Eriko who missed through injury. Yeah, so for me, a decent team there from Edwards. Only thing I would have changed... <coughs> and I wrote this as I saw the team as I was about to board a plane saying I'd put Ant- Atangana in. Yeah, I, I would always so, go with Atangana. Yeah, so he didn't. Um, so I wasn't there this one, so I was flying back. So I kind of let you 
take it and we'll go yeah, for it. Yeah, so. uh, Plymouth bought a substantial amount of, for a Tuesday night yeah, game. Very well supported club, Plymouth. Extremely well supported. So fair play. I mean, I think they probably most of them are London based. But yeah. Yep. So uh, kick off, um, and literally, it wasn't even the first minute, it was yeah, like the first 20, 20 seconds. seconds. Yeah. Um, the ball is out on the left hand side of the pitch so I'm sat in the south so I'm talking at yeah. it from a south stand perspective yeah. literally right in front of the Orient dugout Bench, yeah. um, their man's got the ball there Robbie Weir goes steaming in um, it was late it wasn't all that reckless despite the guy making a little bit of a meal of it um, but Weir did clatter him and the referee goes running over the referee couldn't straight get over away. there quick enough straight away Yeah, I've never seen a ref move so quick in all my life and he gave him a straight red card Okay. Um, it was a stupid challenge, but it was probably no worse than a yellow, really. Given that it was the first minute of the game, it was a silly challenge. Um, I think red is a little bit harsh, but if it was the other way around, if I You'd was a Plymouth fan, for the red, yeah. I'd want a red. So it's, it's one of those six of one and half a dozen of the other, really. I can see why I sent them off. Yeah, I can I can see well. why I sent them off. And where should it be making those challenges no. in the first minute of any match, let alone home match against the leaders as a captain as well yeah the so referee he, wanted to make a name for himself yeah that game yeah and apparently he, I think he's dished out a lot of cards in his previous oh, couple of games someone gave us a stat yesterday didn't they Mr Angeleri did oh so Alessandro like did shot, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, he's given out numerous reds and uh, yeah. even more yellows in his yeah. in his games yeah so okay so <clears> 11 minutes gone in. so Liam Kelly was off the pitch receiving treatment for after a challenge and as yeah. that happened uh, Plymouth uh, decent move to them to be fair Defence splitting pass and dispenser. Great assist there, actually, from David yeah. Goodwillie, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, and he finished past Chizak. Uh, and Plymouth's at the lead, so they won the up as we had nine men on the pitch. Because Kelly was down because injured. Kelly was down injured. Yeah. But I thought that was, that was a good team goal. <coughs> Shows the quality I think Plymouth have got. That, that was a great assist. That, that assist made the goal, really. Yeah. Um, and we were 1 0 down. And down to 10 men. So then, <laughs> straight away, Liam Kelly comes off for Nigel Atangana. Yeah. And then just four minutes later, <laughs> in the fifteenth minute, um, Sandro Semedo lost his battle in the in the centre circle, and the ball goes out to the left. And their man is charging at Jens Jantz, and Jens Jantz is the last man, and he slides, mistimes it, and takes their man down, and he gets sent off. Yeah, his last man. That that was a red card. That he was the last. He was clearly the last man. Their man though, with the, who was running with the ball, was really fast. Oh, he, he, I, I think Jans I don't think many people can have a go at Jans because I think the guy's just completely outdone him and if Jans doesn't challenge him the guy goes to, goes on the scores everyone goes mental Jans so here's the dilemma so here's the, here's the you question let him go, you let him go or you take him out do you let him go yeah. you go 2-0 down and, and try and finish the game with 10 men rather yeah. than 9 yeah. or do you stop the goal and go down Absolutely. to 9 men Jans decided to take him out and Jans decided <laughs> Then we go down to nine yeah. men and try and battle it out from nine men. But so down to nine men. Uh, yeah, they've taken one for the team. To be fair, so I've got. I haven't really got too many qualms about that. But yeah, decision yeah. making process. I, in hindsight, probably would have rather kept us at ten men. I'd never ever seen anything like it. Uh, I've never seen before. a match with with us down to nine men. I can't remember. If any of the statos out there know yeah. when we last had two red cards in in a match. Never mind the timing, just we went down to nine men. I asked Graham, Graham's got a great memory yeah. for our mate Graham, and, and he couldn't remember either. Crazy, crazy. So, for 30 yeah. minutes then, and we had our first shot on target through Jay Simpson, and you noted he's been playing much deeper. So, he basically dropped into defence, and we were playing a 3 4 1. Yeah. He, he, sorry, he dropped into midfield. Yeah. So, he dropped in, so we had that four, so we didn't get overrun in the middle, yeah. and McCallum was up front. And you noted that McCallum and Simpson were really working hard to support the whole team. The hardest I've ever seen them run and Good. work. Absolutely outstanding. They were dropping deep. Yeah. They were closing things down. Good. Simo was brilliant in in centre in centre mid because he'd pick the ball up and he'd run forward. So he'd take the pressure off the yeah, back yeah. four, the back three, and give them a bit yeah, of a rest. Charge the ball forward. Yeah, absolutely. And in forty three minutes, the club tweeted uh, playing a three four one. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hunt, Parks, and Kennedy at the back. McCallum up top on his own, as we say, with Simpson in the centre alongside Atangala. Yeah. So five minutes of injury time were played, and the half time was one nil. A fair play. To, come back to the formation. Fair play to Andy Edwards. I mean, that's got to be a nightmare scenario. In your first managerial game, yeah, get to the players and up after twenty seconds against the league leaders, then get an injury to one of your key uh, players, your vice captain, and then going down to nine men. He's done well there, Andy Edwards. Absolutely, credit, spot credit on. And do you know what? Him and Danny Webb were stood on the sidelines the whole time, yeah. encouraging them. 
when they did something good they were applauding yeah. them yeah. they were guiding them and ushering them saying look come up move back yeah. move around whatever they were absolutely bang on good. and you can win midfield is a really important position and, and if you get overrunning midfield it just puts pressure on the back four the whole t- the back yeah. the back line the whole time so by f- by moving Simo back into the middle and filling that out absolutely took the pressure and, and made sure that, that Kennedy Hunt and uh, Parks were not over and Chisak weren't overwhelmed and I have to say that Plymouth weren't all that they were top of the league but their passing was out their they, movement wasn't great they got some good players though. and they had 11 men and they have got some yeah, good yeah. players David Goodwillie and the other lad up front were, were good players yeah yeah they're not top of the league for no reason but they weren't all that and there was a bit of a kerfuffle on the sidelines because Andy Edwards thought that Derek Adams had overreacted oh, a bit yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. and the referee had to stop the game to yeah. go and have a word with him yeah also, so, what I say about passion. Andy Edwards as well, passion, kind of down to passion, is that one, I think one of the criticisms of Hess is that one of the things weren't going our way, he'd kind of sit there non-animated with his arms folded. Arms folded, not same, same with Hendon to a certain extent. But um, good to see a manager get involved and motivate and direct the players from the touchline, which is what you want, which, yeah. we, which is what we haven't had since Slade. So people say, say, oh, well, so. he's just doing his job. But actually, you know what? You, you, you say that, but people haven't been doing that. So Absolutely. it's re- refreshing to, to see that. So, yeah, um, yeah bit, bit of a bit of a shock, shocking first yeah, half, yeah. really. Um, Plymouth had 12 shots in that and had 59% possession, yeah. but only came in 1-0. So, yeah. so well done to the OZ. Yeah. So attendance announced at 4,336. 918 Plymouth fans, so well done to the... Uh, I was surprised that there were 3,500 Orient fans, yeah. to be honest, because yeah. it didn't look like it. Yeah. It looked it looked really empty. Did it? Yeah. Uh, so second half kicked off, no changes for the O's, and then 46 minute, no sooner did the half start, and Nigel Attingana was forced off due to injury and was replaced by Harry Cornick. Um, so again, a nightmare, first game for Edwards with two sending offs and injuries just gets worse with Atangana going off. You, yeah, just as you thought you couldn't get much worse, it, it kind of does. Yeah, but you made a note, didn't you? About, yeah, at, at, at partway through the first half, sort of Plymouth reduced the shots from distance really yeah. so far and, and we were driving forward at every opportunity and it really, you really could see that the players were playing for each other and Andy and Danny. So, And then did that, I guess that had inspiring. a... Inspiring. Yeah, I guess that was inspiring the crowd. 100%. Well. We were absolutely on form. I've never seen the South Stand rocking so much since our promotion really? push season with, yeah. under Russell Slade. It was genuinely a good... Despite losing and being down to nine men, you could see the players were absolutely working working so hard and, and it was genuinely inspiring. And, and we got behind them. And, and that, we absolutely got behind them. And that's because so. they were just working hard for the, for the team. For each other. Yeah, that's what, that's what you want to see. That's what you asked yeah. for. That's what we said numerous times on the podcast. And that's what numerous, view, numerous all, views all have come in, isn't it? Don't mind losing as long as you see players sweat. Yeah, and putting in their shift. The shirt. So, yeah. 65th minute, uh, Chizak pulled off a superb save to keep out our effort from Carey and push it over the bar. That was a good save. Good save Carey yeah. is a good player for them, actually, to be fair. Yeah. Um, we registered our first corner in the 68th minute. Yeah. And Nicky Hunt is shown a yellow card for descent in the 77th minute. The ref seemed to have it in for Nicky Hunt. He kept calling <laughs> him over and having a word with him and then booked him. Yet Plymouth made a number of fouls that really, at least two of them were yellow cards and they didn't get him. anything. Didn't so the ref was really pro-Plymouth. And yeah. we were singing nine men, we've only got nine men. And 12 men, you've only got 12 yeah, men. Like so. it. So 81st minute, Paul McCallum got replaced by Jordan <clears throat> Barry. I think you made a note saying Paul was heavily criticised for not working hard enough against Notts County. Definitely put a shift in tonight. So well done, to well done yeah. to everyone who played on the pitch. Yeah, uh, it looks like two minutes later, a huge miss from Jimmy Spencer. Chisak was unable to hold a uh, Tanner's shot. Ford gets chip uh, gets his chipped effort horribly wrong. Thankfully, so a bit of a let off there. But two minutes later, game effectively over as Ryan Donaldson made it two 0 as he side footed from close range. Um, and you've put uh, Massey at fault here. Not sure what he was trying to do. Shepherd the ball out for a goal kick stroke corner. Yeah, so I. I, I John Macker, who sat next to us, John McIntyre, said that um, Chisak had called for Massey to let it run out, but Massey was trying to shield it out, as, as it now turns out, but their man was behind, nicked it off of him and puts it into the path of them, on, into the path of He's Donaldson, gone. who side, side foots it in. So, if in doubt, just put it out. Yeah, yeah. Okay. There's no messing around. It would have been 1-0, and which would have been much more palatable. Yeah. But okay. Uh, so we then had a tweet um, from the from the club's official at Leighton Orient site that said, despite the goal, the O's fans continue to back the home team, applauding them for their efforts tonight. Great support. So that, that wasn't a tweet to us, just to make that clear. That no, 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 that's yeah. just something I've just picked up. Yeah, on. so three minutes 
stoppage time were played and then the four-time whistle went and the nine men came off to a rousing reception at Bisbane Road following their efforts. So if you haven't seen it, we've got the video up that you filmed at the end of the match and you know, the nine men get a standing ovation. I think there's other videos out there as well, but the nine men go off to a <coughs> massive round of applause and appreciation for just working hard for the shirt and a very, even though a defeat, a very encouraging first match for Andy Edwards. 100%, so well yeah. done to Andy In Danny. a very, very difficult, bizarre and unusual <laughs> yeah. circumstance, yeah. he done absolutely fantastic. So after the game, Andy Edwards went on to say, it's strange to lose the game too, no one have such a fantastic reaction. The fans were first class today. We understand their frustration. I do, and they expect us to be at the top, and we do too. The owner has invested in the club and wants a return, and rightly so. I thought the supporters were fantastic tonight, and that's important. We have to take it with us. I said to the players, when supporters see commitment, application, and that togetherness, they'll back you all the way. The ability we've got on this side, we can only move up the table. So very yeah. good quote there from Andy. So the league table stood that we that defeat meant that we slipped to 16th in the table, but we'll do a full round-up after yeah. the Barnet game. So for me, I thought sort of probably the most bizarre match that I've ever seen. You've had yeah. two red cards. The substitute got substituted yeah. because he was injured. Um, despite a 2-0 loss, it really didn't feel like it. actually felt like we'd, we'd won the FA Cup, to be honest with you. <laughs> um, full credit to Andy and Danny, who organised the team really, really well. And all nine players... Um, really played for each other, 11 if you include the yeah. 12 if you include the subs. Show Fight put in an absolute shift and, and made me really, really proud actually. Um, I don't know why they can't do that every week. And I just made an, as a, as a last note, the referee was really, really poor. Yeah, and you put out a great tweet uh, yeah. via the podcast account that's probably worth yeah, mentioning. That I got said, a lot of publicity. I was quite surprised actually because it was just a, just a sort of thought that came to me. You know, despite a loss, this is the most passionate, hard working. An entertaining match in ages. The support tonight has been incredible. Yeah. And it, it really was. Good tweet. What so, do you think? Your thoughts? Uh, well, it's funny what can happen in the face, face of adversity. Terrible mm. start. Like we've said, probably a red <coughs> card for Weir. Conceded a goal. Another red for a debut in the ends. More injuries. A 2-0 defeat. But the team played for the shirt. And that's all we've asked them to do. And if they do that, then no one will have any complaints. Maybe the players felt the pressure was off a bit. Maybe Andy Edwards coached them well. Maybe they thought they had nothing to lose with nine men against the top of the table team. But whatever it was, if they display that courage and that heart every week, then they'll get the fans back on side. Uh, even though I wasn't there, i got to say, it looked like a great atmosphere. Loads of people going on about how great the atmosphere was and how good the singing was and how loud the south stand was. So very good to that. And apparently on Orient player, uh, you could hear the uh, singing coming through loud and clear. So really great to hear views like that again. So selection of views and tweets that we got in. Uh, firstly from at Mort Jig, who said the South Stand could be fantastic when it gets going it should be like this every match why not because we don't see the players putting yeah, in the effort yeah. so we're not inspired to do that yeah. at George Girk said we really need more of this each home game I know it can be hard sometimes especially when things aren't going well yeah Good at for 2 <coughs> underscore 0 underscore mega said bizarrely I think this match could be a real turning point for us yep at Lauren C Bullock said our boys have done amazingly and the fans showed the love tonight it was a brilliant atmosphere well done O's yeah at Biffo Prop said it may be the jump start our season leads Glenn LOFC said exactly what we've always said give us 100% and we'll back you all the way regardless of the score bang yeah. on at Samuel LOFC 97 <coughs> said the atmosphere tonight sets the bar for the rest of the season it was electric tonight and can give the players a real boost Andy underscore PO16. Hope FB will look at the spirit and decide to leave Andy Edwards alone, though. He'd like he'd likely take the credit for instilling Italian-type <laughs> passion. Wow. Very good. At Chelsea Fish. So a four-minute round of applause for a losing side. All the fans want to see is passion and fight. Well done to those players on the pitch. King Baggy King said, Nine men after 14 minutes and not a win, but proud to be a fan in the South Stand. We sang our hearts out. Hashtag Orient. Great atmosphere. Yeah, like that one. Uh, M0PHO said what a result the lads played with passion crowd, and the crowd was great who needs wear question mark at Angana for me all day every day over wear at Chris Kane underscore 1992 said let the players play let the managers manage the result tonight two silly red cards but a tremendous fight given by all yeah Paul Crouchman said proud of our lads tonight great support during and at the end of the game Shame the ref let us down. It was a mad night in E10. At Dear Stu, take a bow one to nine. Nicky Hunt, absolutely outstanding at centre half. Keep him there. Best atmosphere for years. Hashtag SUFTO because we were singing stand up yeah, for yeah. a lot. A lot of love for <clears throat> Nicky Hunt as well, actually, last couple he of weeks. Was good, yeah. At D David Yu, said it took till the third season of FB's reign before the atmosphere was anywhere near where it was before. 
I don't expect many more. Yeah, true. At the Authentic Gaz, I'm hoping we saw a turning point tonight. So much passion and heart shown out on the pitch tonight. Much respect. Much respect at Charlie Paul. <laughs> so look at how the players' reactions. If we all stop fighting each other and support the boys, it will make a huge difference. At Marquio 1106 said, credit to Andy Edwards. Not sure we'd have seen that commitment from a no side under any of the previous managers since Russ. Yep, great tweet. And the last tweet we had that evening was from at MX Quicks. Who said didn't go last night? Well, that wasn't. Sorry, this was on Wednesday morning. Who said didn't go last night because I didn't want to leave Brisbane Road disappointed. I think I missed something special. You so absolutely did. I can confirm that. So those are all tweets to the Orient Outlook, as all tweets <coughs> mentioned are. So thanks for all your tweets and keep them coming. And yeah. then at midnight, Robbie Ware uh, issued the following statement. He tweeted, said, "I don't normally write anything on here. It was on Twitter, but I, I think it's time to. Since I've joined the club, I have been awful. And when you think it can't get any worse, it does." I would like to apologise to everyone associated with the club. I will turn this around. So fair play to Robbie. Takes there. a big man to do that. Fair play to Robbie. Takes we a like big that. man. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> so prediction league update at Giorgio Irwin seventy seven at David Medics at Smith at uh, SMTH Jack seven at Tommy T Leaf at Brooks Co two at ALB five three nine nine and at O's Fan Basing predicted. A 2-0 loss and get three points. Leaders will, will be announced later on yeah. in the podcast after the Barnet game. Yeah, sorry about my cough. I can't shift it. That's okay, buddy. So Wednesday, 28th of September. So in episode 78, um, I criticised Loft, constructively. I would say, constructively, um, about what they were doing and why haven't we heard from them. And uh, we finally, well, Paul managed to finally catch up with Tom Davies from Loft. Um after the match on Tuesday and we're going to play it's, uh, an interview uh, and it tell, tells us about what Loft's future actions are I've yeah a little it, so. bit yeah it, it goes well, well we'll let it explain itself oh, so this yeah. is Tom Davies from Loft talking about Loft 10 o'clock we're just after the uh, fantastic Plymouth game despite the loss we are outside the supporters club I'm joined now with Loft's Tom Davies thanks very much for joining us Tom um, so in episode 79 um, Steve was commenting on uh, the recent surge in anti Bichetti if you like um, and, and that sort of wasn't really picked up on by Loft and Loft got in touch with us and said look you know we'd like to come on and tell you what we're doing so you'd like to talk to us today about the the ACV uh, and explain perhaps what that is for people that aren't aware and also the ground um, and give us a bit of an update on what Loft might be doing. I mean, in terms forwards. of, I mean, just first of all, I would, would respond to those comments. I mean, we're constantly discussing ways in which we respond to, I mean, it's, it's a sort of soap opera here at the moment, so we were discussing ways to respond to all these things all the time and we had the protest, the little mini protest at the end of last season after Nolan went, um, which kind of, you know, went, it was a sort of muted protest in the end, but it was, it was, it was a gesture. So we just, we've, we've thought about different ways in which we kind of um, respond to the situation. We carry on making our pleas to uh, Bacchetti to talk to us. We're happy to sort of like, negotiate on that on those terms. Um, but also, we also need to think about yeah, obviously the chaos that the club's in and you know, the, the perpetual uncertainty. What do we do um, if we really get to crisis point? So we've got to be thinking about not just what we're against, which we're all, I think most fans now are against what's been going on here for the last two and a half, two and a quarter years. Um, it's now about what we do. We've got to think seriously about it. What are sort of any plan B that we might need to sort of you know, bring into action for, for any any future crisis? So um, there's lots of it's lots of different prongs to the sort of approach that we're going to take. Um, if people, it's, we're we're an open democratic organisation. If people think we should want to organise a protest, want to do something like that, then they can propose that, and we can think about whether that's that's a possible possible way forward. I mean, there are there are divisions of opinion on that. I mean, so, you know, some people are all bang up for massive, you know, colourful protests. Other people think, you know, get behind the team, that kind of instinct. So you, you have to bridge some of those different different views in terms of how we, how we take it. But we're kind of, we're constantly, you know, uh, discussing uh, and keeping an eye on what's going on. I mean, the ground situation, for example, which is a kind of a drier subject for a lot of people, is something that we've been involved in quite a lot um, with uh, the uh, ACV status that we got for the ground last year that's actually come into play recently because um, Matchroom have declared their intention to to sell the ground um, so we were notified of that straight away before any you know before it was the 
because of the status of the ground has, we get told straight away. So we swung into action. We've been in contact with Barry Hearn to discuss what his plans are. Uh, his, the plan appears to be, from Matchroom's perspective, that they're going to sort of transfer. They want to transfer ownership of the ground to a Matchroom pension fund. Um, the rental arrangements that they have with Orient will carry on as, as they are. So in terms of our immediate future here, there is no change. There's no yeah, immediate threat. Um, we still have to have a meeting as a as a as an organisation which has the asset of community value status on the ground. We will then have a, have a meeting with our members and discuss you know what we what we do with the um, any any option to bid that we might want to want to do. But we'll, so when will that be happening? Um, that will be later this autumn, possibly at late October, early November. Um, I don't want to sort of give a date on here now because it's you know that's a sort of secretarial uh, uh, stuff to to deal with. But. Um, yeah, we will make a decision on, on how we how we proceed with the. Uh, and what are the yeah. options? So the, the we, could, we, 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 we could. I mean, given given the kind of relatively stable thing that's being put to us, we could put a proposal to say, well, we'll accept um, that the matchroom. We won't we won't bid for the ground ourselves because obviously we, that's, there's a fundraising obligation on us to do that. And there's obviously some we've taken financial advice about it. It's doable, but we'll we won't we may not necessarily bid for the ground ourselves if we're satisfied that the transfer of the ground to the, the Matron Pension Fund will keep things stable in terms of our tenancy at Brisbane Road. Um, but that's a, that's, that's a sort of decision and a proposal we're formulating at the moment going through all the... I mean, we've, got some, we've got some good financial brains on our committee, we've got some decent kind of legal brains, so we can be kind of like pouring over all the various options that are available to us. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's an interesting... It's certainly interesting that we weren't... Um, that when, when the ground was part of the sale, um, Francesco Bacchetti didn't take his option to buy the ground. What that says about his own view about our future or his own resources, I, I don't know. But um, it's certainly an interesting fact that he, there wasn't an interest then for him to, to take the ground over. Maybe that's a good thing, maybe that isn't, I don't know. But it's uh, something, something to look at. But. So, moving forward now, um, Loft have obviously got quite a few decisions to be making. There's quite a lot to think about. Um, in terms of actually mounting something that is going to propel Loft and, and, and putting Loft in, you know, back, you know, getting more members ostensibly, which is what yeah. Loft needs to become, you know, a, a bigger voice essentially. What what needs to happen now? I, I think we need to carry on asking questions. You know, what's the, what's the financial state of the club? How is it being resourced? Where's the ongoing funding coming from? The, the losses that we ran up in our first, the last, last set of club accounts are fairly are fairly alarming in terms of the debts. Um, is that how is that how is that going to carry on being funded? Um, obviously, some of that was because in our first year we had some very expensive players but even now we kind of lost the transfer policy suggests that you know money is thrown around sometimes but not at other times and you know what's the you know what, what's the what's the strategy in any part of the club really I mean think it's the only two people that have been here in, 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 in frontline terms the only two people who've been here since June 2014 are still here are Bacchetti and the chief executive uh, everyone, everything else has been constant constant churn um, so you just have to the strategy in every area of the club the player recruitment um, staff turnover um, the actual club's financing you know, what, you know, what is going on I mean it's, it's just you know, to keep pounding away with those questions and, and just get some kind of assurance if, if you know and some kind of dialogue which I mean I know, I know we had the meeting in the summer when Bacchetti had the open meeting here you know, questions were vetted or whatever um, but it didn't really it didn't really answer questions so how do we overcome that hurdle then? Because, and I mean this with the greatest of respect, we can sit down and talk about what questions need to be asked and what answers we need to get from him. But if he's, if Bacchetti isn't prepared to meet us, or Loft, for example, not the fans, he's already done that, but if, if, if Mr Bacchetti isn't prepared to do that, then what, if he says that guys are not interested, then what, when, we're, we're when do we actually go? In, in a, in a way, we're, we're in a similar bind to quite a few clubs who've got these similarly remote, unaccountable owners. If you look at like the situation at Charlton, the situation at Blackburn, where you've got owners that have completely sort of alienated the fan base, um, and and, and as there are, there's a pro mood of protest at those places where you know, Blackburn fans are asking the FA to investigate the running of their club. They've got a petition up. Charlton fans are doing quite colourful protests. Um, I mean, that could be an option if people want to do kind of some of the more kind of colourful protests that Charlton have done, where they all you know, they threw beach balls on and they kind of went in, went in, you know, done fancy dress type protests. So things 
like that. Of course, none of those protests have yet removed their owners and got something better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's all well and good doing it's, it. It's about what's the point? It's a, yeah, the, the problem that any any football supporters trust has when you've got an unaccountable owner who nonetheless, who nonetheless kind of controls the purse strings and says it's my money, it's my club. Is how do you how do you force them to become accountable? Um, and we just need to come I mean, we just need to carry on, as I said, asking questions loudly, um, showing we're credible as well, showing that we're actually on the ball and we're not just we're not just moaning about Dean Cox leaving or defending for the goals at Notts County or whatever, but actually looking a bit more more deeply into the malaise of the club. So there's a lot lot to think about. Um, Loft are on Twitter and Facebook. They are, yeah. So anybody that wants to join can do so by going online. Like and then LeightonOrientFansTrust.com is the website. Um, so you can join on that as well. It's, like it's a minimum of a pound a season, so it's um, yeah, cheap as chips, really. So. Brilliant. So get joining. Yeah. Tom, thanks very much. No indeed. worries. Cheers. So that was Tom Davies from Loft, and a good interview there. So well done, Paul, and thank you thanks, for Tom uh, for speaking to us. We will be speaking to Matt Roper from Loft probably in the next podcast, and he'll be talking about kind of how Loft are going to try and target people <coughs> to join. So we'll be trying to get a few more Loft views across to give it a fair balance. So uh, hope you enjoyed that. Cool. We also received an email from Peter Warnell regarding Loft as well, which we wanted to read out. He says... Um, As a nose fan for over 50 years, I've seen the ups and downs that go with supporting our great club, but one of the things that upset me the most at present is the seeming desire of some people to drive a wedge between the fans and the club. I've supported Loft since its inception, but I'm finding it increasingly hard to do so at the moment, as they seem to be orchestrating a campaign against everything the President does, good or bad, and I feel this is potentially to the detriment of matters on the pitch. Matt Roper and his disciples regularly use words like clown and circus, stating that FB is picking the team and signing players without the manager ever seeing them, but without any proof that this is true. This, this can only wind others up and help to foster a toxic atmosphere, like the one seen after the Oval game, which had the potential to carry over to the Plymouth game until events on the evening meant otherwise. I can't see how this negativity helps to move the club forward, on or off the pitch. I doubt the sincerity of the individuals involved. I don't doubt, he says. Be careful there. Sorry, I don't doubt. Sorry. I don't doubt the sincerity of the individuals involved, but Loft's agenda at the moment seems geared up to fighting the current regime instead of finding a way to work with them. They claim to be a critical friend of the club, but in truth, with friends like that, who needs enemies? Despite... As this may appear, I'm not a great fan of Mr Bichetti, who is making far too many mistakes for my liking, but I see no advantage in making an enemy of him, especially when he's the person who pays the bills. Egos need to be put to one side on both sides, in my opinion, as divided we surely fall. Up the O's. So thank you very much yeah. indeed uh, for your email there. And I hope the I hope Tom's interview might have answered a few of your questions there, possibly, Peter. Yeah, and um, hopefully Matt's um, yeah. interview when we get that. Brilliant. And firmed up will, will hopefully help as well. Yeah, so thanks for your email there. So Thursday, 29th of September, Nicky Hunt spoke to George Sessions about Andy Edwards, who said, he tries patterns of play, and we would have tried to do that with 11 men, but it's never easy with nine men. Oh, let's talk about the Plymouth match here. I still think we did try and play football, and didn't it just hoof it long? It's true. We couldn't do, because there was nobody up there. We tried to get it down, and get out the back four, and we knew their back four wasn't the best. We had a couple of chances, but it wasn't our day. So nice at all quote there from Hunt but the thing that leaps out to me that he mentions we didn't just hoof it long and is that kind of a sly dig at Hess possibly yeah possibly. Or, or credit to Andy for not wanting yeah. to just lump it out there and because yeah. the minute you lump it there they're going to come back at you just lose it yeah okay the club confirmed they appealed the sending off of skipper Robbie Weir and awaiting a response for the FA apparently cost 300 quid to do that well yeah not apparently it does cost 300 quid to do that yeah <laughs> uh, Friday yeah, 30th true. of September Club, the club confirmed that the appeal against Robbie Weir's red card was unsuccessful and his three-game suspension will begin with immediate effect. So we have seen Barnett yesterday. He'll miss Southend, which nobody really cares about, or very few what, people care about. was it three about. league games or three no, matches? three matches. Okay. As and, then miss, and then he'll miss Portsmouth. Um, well, that's so, not bad. So that's a week's suspension, so, yeah. effectively. That's not bad. So Anthony Edwards also spoke to George Sessions ahead of the Barnett game and he said, the spirit is good. There is a real good group of players here, and I said to them on Monday, we've got the ingredients of a, of a team that can achieve. We've got character, honesty, and I think we have the togetherness. We do have seven or eight new players, and if you look at that side compared to the team that finished last season or started last season, it is a new team. I'm not going to make excuses and say it takes time to gel or it takes time for those players to get to know each other. I don't necessarily think that is the case. 
but we have a good group and learn we have been underachieving. So I like what Eddie Edwards has got to say. He seems to have a bit more clarity about what he's saying, a bit more honesty. <clears throat> Sounds um, genuine, doesn't it? It yeah. doesn't sound like he's just made it up off the top yeah, of his head. Yeah, so happy with that. So yep. I look forward to more of his quotes. Saturday, 1st of October, uh, yesterday, the under-18s beat MK Dons in the morning, 3-1, yep. with goals from McLean, Dalby and Sotirio. Sotirio. Sotirio, mate, your pronunciation is much better than mine, so... Happy to help. So Barnett away was yesterday. The team lined up with Chisak, Hunt, Erico, Parks and Kennedy, Massey, Cornick, Kelly, Semedo in the middle and McCallum and Simpson up top with sub Sergeant, Palmer, Nomo, Bowery, Pollock, Ochang and Benedicic. Yeah. So two changes from Tuesday as Ivan Erico and Harry Cornick come into the side in place of Jens Jantz and Robbie Weir who are suspended. Zan Benedicic named in the matchday squad for the first time since joining but Nigel missed out through injury and I... Bumped Big into Nigel. Nigel Tuesday night after the match and he said he felt that Liam would have been more likely to play than yeah. him but he was having a scan on Wednesday yeah. hoping it wasn't that serious but obviously cool. it was that it kept yeah. him out. So we went yesterday so nice ground I thought nice north stand. Brilliant. Uh, they just built that just yeah, for us. just for us. It was nice. I liked it. <clears throat> Can I also just say that this is probably going to be one of the briefest match reviews <laughs> ever. <laughs> so we, we make no apology for it. No. Uh, so let's start out here. So first, first good fifteen minutes, I'd yeah, say. We, we started looked, brightly. Looked sharper. So every ball, Cornick was on the right, and getting very involved. So Massey was in the middle, wasn't he? On the right middle of midfield. So Cornick Liam Kelly right. and Go- uh, Gavin Massey were in there. Yeah. The centre. First ten yeah. minutes, crowd quite loud. Yeah. Cornick had two efforts. One was a good save by the keeper over the bar. Yeah. And then after the first fifteen minutes, Barnett seemed to come into it a bit more. We faded a bit. And it just seemed to be a bit turgid. Well, Barnett were very long ball, very direct. Because they've got big guys, haven't they? Yeah, Luke Gambling. Was it Luke Gambling? He went Gambling. close for them. Cheers, yeah. that made a good save from him. He did. Uh, he Sean Bat. I was a bit surprised that Sean Bat got booed, actually. I thought Bat done all right for Orion. He got booed because he, he simulated a dive, didn't he? The, yeah, that's uh, when he started to get fine. booed. Okay, yeah. uh, so Sean Bat got taken off in the 29th minute with an injury. Um, and in the 37th minute best chance of the first half probably the match for, for us so McCandle flicked on to Massey Massey passed on to Simpson Simpson had a bit of time and space it's a bit difficult about seeing it back because I haven't seen this bit back yet but from where we were it looked like a decent chance it was a decent chance and he shot it straight at the keeper yeah, where 15 yards out far post could have been a he should have gone in the air and he's tried to side foot place it into the bottom corner yeah. so if you imagine the way you look at the pitch He's coming, cutting in from the left on his right foot, and he's tried to yeah. sort of place it round yeah. the keeper. But actually, it's, the keeper's dived early, and he's he's managed to to scoop it up. So Jay, Jay Simpson normally he should have eats those for breakfast. The way I yeah, so should have scored there. Fortieth minute, Barnett did score, but it was disallowed for a blatant handball. Their defender Bira Dembele basically punched the ball into the net. Surprised he didn't get a booking for that. Yeah, yeah, good point actually. And at half time, uh, half time whistle went. And it was nil-nil, so... Yeah, a bit of a nothing first half, to be fair. But a better first half than in previous yeah. games. I think we're still lacking that cutting edge in front of goal. And Simo had the best chance, but side-footed at their goalkeeper. Players pr- look pretty comfortable um, with their roles. And, and the marking is good, even with um, my sort of lesser favourite, Ivan Eriko. He was he he, he, he shepherded Akinde very, very well. Credit with French too, I thought... Uh, Erico done very well yesterday yeah. as a whole so attendance was 2,682 with 986 O's fans making the journey so well done to everyone there and it's great to meet a few new faces and see yeah. a few old faces as well yeah absolutely um, which was great so second half kicked off no changes for the O's and in the 50th minute Harry Cornick came off for Jordan Bowery so someone I think Vince on Facebook said it might have been an illness because he didn't seem injured and it, and it seemed like a not a planned tactical. so what kind of wait to see what happens with Harry Cornick Yep, and then what I liked one of George Sessions' tweets. He said in the 52nd minute, Barnett's free kick is cleared to Massey and he runs half the length of the pitch but is tackled at the last moment by Villette. Yeah. Um, but it was a good run. I it think, was. I think he's not very Because he was running down the left side and he was trying to cut on to his right. I don't think he's very comfortable on the left. Or he doesn't seem to be that natural on it. But all he had to do was run three or four more yards forward and then side foot yeah. pass with his left foot. He didn't have to cross, it just had to be a pass. And I think McCallum was I, there. I think he was looking to shoot. I think he was trying to turn one and try and get a bit of space for a shot, but didn't happen. And then after that, we got sucked into Barnett's game plan. A little bit, and it got yeah. a bit sloppy, I thought. Um, 67th minute, Chizak made a superb save to deny Barnett. Uh, he saved from Togwell, who shot from outside the area, went for a crowd of bodies. Chizak must have seen that late. late. Yeah. Good save. Got a good hand on it as well to get it away from the danger area. So yeah. a really good save there. 
A minute later, long ball forward, calls Johnson problems. Bowery gets it down and volleys goalwards, but Johnson makes a great block. So well played to Bowery. Yeah. Starting to make a it bit did. of an impression in the game. He did. I can't remember who played that ball. That was a brilliant ball. Might have yeah. been Semedo or Kennedy, uh, just because it came in from the left-hand side. But a great ball. Their defender completely lost it over the top of him. Uh, 70th minute, Semedo got injured. Uh, but it looked like he was going to be replaced anyway. And Nomo replaced him. And I've got to say, poorest I've seen Semedo play. Um, don't know what it was. Giving the ball away, wasn't holding it up well, was being ushered off yeah, the ball I quite think Jamal Campbell-Rice kind of had the beating of him on that side. Yeah. And they kind of started targeting him a little bit, but he looked, he normally looks very confident and a bit cocksure of himself. Um, yeah. Didn't look like yesterday, so I hope everything's all right with him there. Just shows Martin Allen's pup's done a bit of research. Yeah, probably. And, and said like, don't worry Jamal, you just sit on that boy and make yeah, yeah. sure he can't do anything. Yeah. So 81st minute, Paul McCallum got booked. Um, Liam Kelly got called over to have a word with uh, Paul, the referee called him over. Paul was lucky a little bit, because Paul didn't start late, started sarcastically, he clapped the ref. She needed to calm down there a little bit. And um, yeah, a bit silly there from Paul. I think that's why the ref called the captain yeah. over to say, look, have a word with him because if he carries on, I'm going to send him off. Yeah. In the 85th minute, Ollie Palmer came on to replace Jay Simpson. For me, I would have bought Palmer on 10 minutes ago um, because we just needed someone to be running around chasing things down. Yeah, and I guess, yeah. We looked a bit, we looked really lethargic and, and like Elliot Byrne said, you know, we, there's no urgency. There's... The hard work and running around and, and the ethic that we'd seen on Tuesday was, was really missing against Barnet today. Those players might have been knackered. Possibly, but, but then if they were, they might, yeah. Poor management, they should yeah, have been yeah. given two days off then. Yeah, but I think you're right about Palmer. It would have been good to see him a bit earlier. A bit earlier involved, given him against a time of defence, more of a physical forward than Simpson and McCallum. Yeah. Point. Uh, 89th minute, Palmer cuts inside and an uh, effort from the edge of the area, but their keeper got down and saved well. I think Palmer had a really good couple of. Well, he since he came on, he scared really him a little bit. He yeah. was just. Good All feet. over him. Yeah, good feet. done well. So two minutes, two minutes of injury time were played. And we, we had a really good last five minutes. Really good last five minutes. Quite intense. Uh, we finished stronger. But the full-time whistle went. Uh, and it was the first Orient nil-nil draw in 64 matches. And we were there to witness it, obviously. <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Claim to fame. Yeah. Andy Edwards <laughs> said after the match, there's a slight lack of confidence at the moment because of the three defeats on the bounce and the situation we're in. He said it's important to build small building blocks, likely like like to be defensively sound and defensively strong, and keep a clean sheet. Yeah, um, very similar to Nolan. Quickly to put on that Nolan yeah. when he first arrived was very much right. So the defence first, and we'll take it from there. So. You build from the back. Yeah. On the future, he said, "Do I want the job? I genuinely haven't thought about it." Uh, he said, "I've been at the club for seven years and enjoyed every aspect of working at the club in various capacities. Whatever role I fulfil, I'll do my best. It's not something I've closely considered because of the way football works." Yeah, so we'll see on that. Okay, we'll, we'll see what see. happens there. So league table, uh, that draw means that we slipped to seventeenth in the table. So now played eleven, won three, drawn three, lost five. A goal difference of minus two. On 12 points. So your views on yesterday, Mr. Lee? Yeah, it wasn't a classic by any stretch of the imagination. I had quite high expectations, yeah. to be fair, following Tuesday night's did. Yeah, good point. energy levels and determinations, but sort of really underwhelmed with the second half. As you pointed out earlier, we got sucked into Barnett's game. The back five, though, I thought were absolutely excellent, and we've kept a clean sheet. So like Andy said, small building blocks. Not much else really to say other than that, really. It's a bit of a rubbish game, but credit to Eric Hart, who wasn't fully fit, but did very, very well to keep John Akindi quiet. Uh, credit to Barnett, though, who've got an excellent stadium, excellent facilities, although <laughs> the cost of food there is disgraceful. I paid £2.20 for half a baguette. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. So, yeah, slightly lacking on the catering side of things. Brilliant. but. Uh, as for and four pound for hot dogs or something apparently, which apparently is a bit pricey. I don't buy hot dogs away, yeah. but apparently it's a bit pricey. But yeah, no decent good. stadium. That good. Yeah, uh, my view. Yeah, after a decent start, it turned into a bit of a poor game. We never really got going until Ollie Palmer came on. Players did look slightly fatigued, but I guess that's understandable. Following Tuesday, it was a bit of a come down from Tuesday, like you've mentioned. Fuchs Meadow was pretty poor. Uh, Jay and Paul barely had any service. Not much movement from the team. Not sure what FB would have thought of it, to be honest. FB was obviously there. Um, so was Alessandro, and I guess all all the Italians kind of assessing Edwards. A bit reminiscent of the start of Nolan's reign. Looked good defensively, but not much going forward. Yeah. Thought Liam Kelly done very well. Uh, Eric had done very well. Nicky Hunt, I thought they were my three standout players. So those were our views. Selection of your views from at Bello LOFC. Ben, mate, you're on holiday in Rome, so I don't know what you're doing tweeting us. <laughs> um, who says, the fact that the group of players we have can't beat the likes of Barnett and Yeovil is worrying. 
We're a lost team at the moment that needs a rock of a manager to start moulding on identity again. We should be making these games count. At O'Dear Wall, she said, it's not a loss, so we've stopped the rot. Hopefully something to build on. It's a point away from home. Come on, you O's. Yeah, John W999 said, defensively solid in the last two games. Nolan stopped the rot similarly unspectacularly, so hopefully it's just the start of an upward curve. At Kai Showing said, at the point of saying sod it, but then they show such heart on Tuesday, but today the apathy takes root again. No team leader. Yeah, good point. At Richie J. Bourne said, O's played for a point and got a point. Should have been more ambitious, but it stops the run of defeats. At Ron Sampson 15, we're a team lacking in confidence. We also lack a little creative quality. Simpson should be getting so much more of the ball. Yeah, he shouldn't get the ball yesterday, could he? No. At J.E. Staff said, happy to have stopped the run of defeats. We dealt with Akinde well. We were organised. We need to take more risks, though. Yeah, um, Teresa E17, really good to see you as well yesterday, Teresa. Uh, the biggest challenge today is getting out the car park. Yeah. Love that. Yeah, at Orient Boy, said 11 games gone in a poor league and already 13 points behind the leaders. Enough said. Played four of the bottom seven and we haven't beaten any of them yet. But pundits say we have a strong squad. Only one goal and four. Mediocre. Yeah, ARB5399, absolutely abysmal, non-existent strike force, no creativity, just so dull. At LOFC1978, said sums up where we are at currently, poor league, which we are below mid-table in, promotion looks a million miles away. At Janine Edelman, said disappointed we waited until 89 minutes to play, a draw and a clean sheet is good, Ericot did well to contain a kindy, Kelly and Hunt were solid. Yeah, at Stephen Orient, said Erico was excellent, pleased to stop defeats, but forward line was very poor. Samantha McCallum had poor games today. At Len M4, story of our season so far, glimmers of hope, but our attacking options are not producing the goods when needed. Sam Needham underscore zero one said it was probably a point earned for anyone that wasn't at the game and they lost 90 minutes of their life. They won't get back. Yeah, who are there? At Sharky War, one point gained is better than three points lost, as they say. Rome wasn't built in a day unless FB was the boss. <laughs> Very good. Very good. And the last word this week uh, from a new Twitter follower, actually, at James D. Views says, Don't get me wrong, I love the club, but I hate the hopeful long balls lumped up from the back. Andy needs to change that. Ollie Palmer did make a difference when he came on, played what I thought, always wins his headers, but needed Simpson up with him. So, again, thanks for all the tweets, all the interaction this week. Uh, they were all tweets that we mentioned to us at Orient Outlook so give us a tweet if you want to be mentioned on the podcast Prediction League update now just to finish off this episode well done to Elliot JHP and Essex underscore O who both predicted nil-nil yep. so Robert Locke 14 and Giorgio Owen are still top on 9 points David Medjix at uh, Grayno 75 Mark Shepherd underscore 79 MPL and triple two and Orient underscore 17 are all second on seven points yep full table can be found on our Facebook page um, and the next prediction will be for Portsmouth because we don't do cup games so that'll be yeah. a Saturday a football, fantasy football league update so well pretty sure by the time people listen to this the table will have changed but currently George Stone leads after yesterday's matches I in my personal quest for glory moved up two places to 21st if you want to join the league give us a DM I think we had two or three new entries last week um, and still are taking new entries this week so give yep. us an email or a DM if you want to join us so positives and negatives this week positives are team performance against Plymouth when we're down to nine men yeah. uh, the support at the Plymouth game was an absolute positive yeah. uh, and obviously plus the support at Barnet yeah, as well and I think that's key for Portsmouth as well because Portsmouth sold out their allocation from Brisbane Road yeah. in about half an hour so they and Portsmouth are quite loud um, so it's key that we get behind the boys on Saturday and make as much noise as we can yeah defensively we were very good against Barnet as well with a clean sheet and Chisak's been in good form he's kept us in that game on yeah. Tuesday night in fact not enough credit went to Alex Chisak yeah. for Tuesday night because they did make him they did force him to make a few earned his money a few saves he's definitely earned his money and I did notice yesterday we were talking about it actually I think he's lost a few pounds Chisak yeah unless that light of green Looking reflects his body better but Ooh. I think he's lost a few pounds Chizak, okay so Good work for them from Chizak. So negatives, um, first of all, 17th in the league isn't where we need to be. And as a previous tweet said, now 13 points behind the leaders already. Second negative, only one goal scored in the last four games. And the third negative, and last one this week, is lack of available central midfielders and the squad depth in general. From where we were at the start of the season, uh, we're having so much squad depth to choose from. You know, Now players have been released, they've been sold, they're on loan. Looking pretty light, especially in central midfield. So... Yeah. Those are our positives and negatives. Here of the week. Yeah. It's only going to be one, I reckon. Yeah, we think. Well done to um, to Andy Edwards. Yeah. Silver Fox, Andy Edwards. Well done, <laughs> yeah. So next week. Housewives' favourite. <laughs> next week's fixtures. So two fixtures this week. Coming up on Tuesday, we go to Southend in the EFL Trophy. Um, 
be interesting how many people go to that yeah we're not we're, we're, not we're not going, going. No. Um, and we don't expect there to be a mass turnout because not many people seem to care yeah. that much about the trophy be an interesting one and yeah. then on Saturday we're going to Portsmouth like we've said already sold out their allocation bring a decent following Portsmouth lost 3-1 uh, away to Blackpool yesterday but Portsmouth for 6 in League 2 on 17 points and a goal difference of plus 6 need to be careful they yeah. seem to when they beat teams really spank teams and when, when they don't they seem to be pretty poor so yeah. additionally me yeah. and Paul are off on a, a, a date on Thursday night we are off to see the greater game so if any of you are going uh, we'll see you there on Thursday yep. and, and we if look you're not to and that. you haven't been you need to go it's an absolutely terrific story uh, based on Steve Jenkins' book they took the lead so you really need to go and see it. it's at the Southwark Playhouse it's yeah. not an expensive night out at all yeah well, well maybe we'll I'll take you out for dinner first show you a nice time <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> only if there's wine yeah so um, next episode hopefully we might have a few interviews with a few cast members uh, that'd be and nice the, if we and can the, uh, director so uh, next Sunday hopefully we'll have that for you absolutely so that's it thanks for joining us for episode 80 slightly longer than normal but there's been two game weeks there's been a sacking an interview an interview with, yeah. with Loft so thanks to Tom for, for giving yep. us your time up there and the background noise we were outside the supporters club and the away team coach was uh, just so it wasn't like a steam, right like steam train pulling in it, like it, a, it, yeah, it sounded yeah, like yeah, it but yeah, that yeah. was just the air brake on the um, yeah. on the supporters coach oh. and sorry if you heard any cursing in the background <laughs> of that yeah. I can't help it we were outside yeah. it was the only place we could do it um, yeah. Been a bit of a crazy week uh, for us Orient fans. Manager dismissed, two players sent off in record time, one was sent off on his debut. Substitutes being substituted due to injury, electric atmosphere, great support, pride and spirit shown for the first time in a while by the team and also the support of the Orient fans as well. Disappointing performance yesterday, it was quite high expectations, but lots of big names linked with the job. And as soon as we hear anything concrete, we will let you know through our social media accounts. And we will hopefully be back next week with episode number 81 with all the information and views that you could really ever need. So as we've already stated, if anything happens this week, we'll try and be the first to get it out there. So keep an eye on our social media accounts. And that's it as always. We look forward to hearing from you. And keep calm and listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. Up the O's.